Hello and welcome to 2022. Uh, this is just a brief intro before we get into the the main bit of the show. Can you believe that this is our 10th year? Our first episode came out, I believe, around the 20th of January 2012, as Diz After Dark. And here we are. New name and stuff, and a few new faces as well, but some originals. Still here, after all this time. Always. Uh, Sorry, I've been watching that Harry Potter thing, you know. Um, Anyway, um, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for uh, listening to this for so long. We've had, over the course of uh, the 10 years we've been doing this, uh, close to a million downloads. We might have actually surpassed it. Um, We changed podcast hosts um, a few years ago, and so we lost the analytics at that time. But back then... Uh, I think we were about 600,000 downloads. So looking at the data we've got now, then um, yeah, we're probably, if we're not there yet, we're probably coming up to a million downloads. So that's incredible, like uh, mind-blowing. And that's just for this show. This doesn't include all the other shows that we do as well. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for joining us, uh, you know, all these years. Or if you've just discovered us, hi, you've got, you know, nine extra years worth of content to go and listen to if you want to um but uh we are looking uh, again for advertising so uh transparency we get in, in the first month around about a thousand to two thousand downloads an episode uh things obviously get expanded over time um so yeah that's our reach that's being transparent and honest a lot of podcasts won't do that but there you go not the biggest uh i imagine there's podcasts that do uh, a lot more than that um uh, joe rogan for example um but i know uh, as well that we are pretty big in this arena so uh, if you are interested in sponsoring us please get in touch uh contact us at disasterdark at gmail.com uh if you if you feel that that might be something you'd like to do um and that's it i'll stop talking now because you're not here to listen to well just me talk uh but the team as well so uh thank you thank you thank you again uh hope you have a cracking 2022 and here is this year's first episode of that disney parks podcast Welcome to uh, a new year and another episode of that Disney Parks podcast. I am Nick, and on this episode, the first of the year, I'm joined by Mr. D. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. And and to you, sir. And to you. (laughs) Uh, We are joined across... Is it an ocean? Water. Across water, we are joined by Sinead. There we are. Hello. Yeah. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Um, and, I mean, 
I, I, I can't even believe myself that I'm, I'm able to utter this, but we are also joined by Ryan. Get ready to write those reviews. <laughs> it's been a long time. I th- when, when was you last on? October, November? I think November. I think. Yeah. It's been early been November. Too, been far too. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I mean, what this does mean, listeners, is that I won't be able to make my usual jokes at Ryan's expense. I mean, I can still do them, but it's not half as fun when he's here to answer back. So uh, I'll probably be true. But you can make that. jokes at Craig's expense. So. Oh yes. well. We we certainly what? we certainly will. I can actually make the first one now. I am as we recall this episode. So, um, uh, we're going to have a delayed start, I think, to the year. So this will go out on Patreon uh, after recording, and this will go out publicly next Monday, which is what the ninth, I think, something like that. Um, and I'm supposed to be seeing Craig on the on the Wednesday of that week, and. I'm just waiting for him to pull out. Because that's what... I, I know, I know that's what will happen. My life now is is determined by not getting excited by anything because I'm only going to get disappointed. Because you're just waiting for people to pull out? Well, I'm just, just waiting for something <laughs> to go wrong, in general, or not happen. Okay. So I don't get... It drives my wife nuts because I don't get excited for holidays or things like that because I'm just expecting something to go wrong. You know, something's going to happen to throw a span in the works. Um, like today, right? So today, um, I had uh, my booster. I had my COVID booster, right? And I picked today because today, uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if this is happening in Ireland as well, Sinead, but uh, certainly in England, uh, today was the first day that the McPlant burger was released at McDonald's. So I figured I, like I could go and have my here. booster and then go and have my, uh, my plant burger, um, okay. which I did. But um, it was during the school run uh, in the afternoon to collect the kids. My wife couldn't be in two places at once, so I said, look, if I get done quickly, uh, I'll go and pick my daughter up from school. So I didn't get a chance to sit down and eat my food, so I'm having to walk uh, briskly uh, to, to get to school to pick up my daughter whilst trying to eat this food, which is just, just going everywhere, because it's, you know, burgers have sauce and stuff and it's it's just a mess. So I'm already stressing about that. I then get to the school. I stand there for 25 minutes because I got there early waiting for my daughter to uh, come out of a class to get a phone call from my wife saying, where are you? I've got our daughter. I'd been standing at the wrong part of the school, hadn't I? Nice. Yeah. It had been, it'd been a, about, three, about three months or so since I last had to pick my daughter up from school. And because of that, I forgot where to stand. <laughs> so I, was, I stood there for 25 minutes, watching all these kids come out of uh, of their various classes, waiting for my daughter, and uh, yeah, she come out of another, another part of the school. So there you go. There's an example of why I just expect something to go wrong all the time. Um, so, But hey, you know, hopefully this podcast will be the first thing this year that hasn't gone wrong. We'll see. Um, and Mr. D... Congratulations to you, because in about two weeks, it will be the 10th anniversary of the first recording of uh, one of the incarnations of this podcast, which yeah. means that you're only about three months away from your 10th anniversary of being on this show. Well, <clears throat> I was only about 20 when we started this. 
Yeah, we thought team what? I've absolutely aged dramatically during that time as well. Oh, tremendously. But yeah, ten. You know, this is our tenth year. This is this is mental. It's, hard to believe, isn't it? it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I've been yeah. here the whole time, and you've been but here yeah. nearly the whole time. I know because I you're right because I because um, we met. I mean, apart from all the kind of shenanigans, the additions and stuff like that, we met at Mouse Meets in 2012, mm. didn't we? So there you go, that's 10 years ago. And that was, what, uh, April-ish? Yeah, something like that, March, yeah, April. that's right. And I think it Me, was you just and Mr. After. Boniface. Yeah, and, and I met Craig there. Yeah. Who who left early because of uh, yeah. reasons. Um, but yeah, and I think... Maybe the next episode or the episode after that was when you you came on. Yeah, I think just as a guest, and then uh, you mm-hmm. you stuck around. Yeah, so grateful. Ten years, wow. Yeah, just just think, Sinead, Ryan, this could be you in ten years' time. <laughs> we were can't, five can't years wait. old when this started. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, speaking of things that are five years old. Uh, let's go and find out what everybody's drinking. Uh, Mr. D, I'll come to you first. Justin, the off chance you're drinking like a five-year-old whiskey or something. No, no, I'm actually drinking a Christmas gin. Uh, it was a little gift I got at Christmas. I've got a few things that I picked up at Christmas, so I'll be unveiling them through the episodes as we go forward. But this one is a Christmas-flavoured gin, so it's got like ginger and cardamom and all sorts of things in it. But Cheers. One of those things you picked up was, of course, illness. Well, yeah, COVID as well. <laughs> but um, you know, the, I don't like to talk about it. Giving. Yeah, no. I just, I'm just soldiering on. I had man COVID. It was, it was almost fatal. It's worse than Omicron. I, everybody knows that the man version is is, is highly dangerous. Yes. Isn't yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. I got a pair of socks for Christmas that said, um, I thought I was going to die, and then I realised it was just a cold. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. uh, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite incredible. Um, actually, I'm, I'm waiting. Like, we've had to call this episode now as well, because I, as I said earlier, I had my booster. My wife, my wife had her booster yesterday, and tonight she's feeling absolutely rotten. Mm. So that's where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm expecting to be at Death's Door tomorrow. In fact, what did you get? I was Grant. A, a, a booster. No, which or do one? You mean, which one? I got Moderna. Yeah, I got Moderna. I had a, a bit of a fever the night I got it, but I was fine otherwise. Mm. I had Pfizer, and I just felt a bit, just a bit crappy for 24 hours. Nothing. What about you, Sinead? What are they, uh, what are they dumping over there? Uh, I got Pfizer, and other than being a bit cold and tired, I was grand. Mm. Hmm. See, I don't know. I said to my wife earlier, what did you get? And she was just like, mm, booster. I was like, yeah, I know you got a booster. I said, but what, what did you get? She went, I don't know. I'm like, do you not want to know what they're putting in you? Either way, it's a uh, 5G chip, am I right? Correct. Yes. yes. Which actually makes sense, because my signal today in town was amazing on the 5g um Sinead what are you drinking yes I have got a Jemison and ginger ale with a bit of lime Ooh, keeping it real yeah good to see you getting uh, the fruit as well that's good yeah one of your yeah, five a day, five a day. Yeah. There we go. I had some Jaffa cakes earlier so I had uh, some of my one of my five a day um nice. Ryan what about yourself 
I've got some water and a sugar-free Red Bull. Are, are, are you mixing them or just double no, fisting? No, just double fisting. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I have got... I'm going for the Christmas beer. <laughs> the late summer beer, which has turned into Christmas beer. Because um, so I, I had quite a lot left over. I just realised I don't drink much at home. Um, so I've got a Bud Light, which is... I, I can pour pints, but not when I'm podcasting. That is just a lot of fun. Does it matter? It's Bud Light. I mean, it's not great beer, is it? It is what it is. And that's what you get for not sponsoring the show. Um, well. <laughs> right, let's go and have a look. Ooh, uh, before we go, ooh, 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 before ooh, we go ooh, on ooh, to a segment, yes. can we give a bit of a shout out to one of the Patreons? <gasps> yes, you can. As if you, you nearly forgot. So, one of our dear Patreons and big fan of the show, um, Sandy, gave birth to a little baby girl last week. And she, oh. I'm reliably told, she stored up weeks of podcasts and has listened through to everything on the network and also re-listened to certain oh, episodes. Oh, no. Um, whilst she's We've doing bad content feeds at the with the Bambino. Year. I know. That was up before or after, because, you know, yeah. we, we're probably enough to induce anybody, I would have thought. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I, be- I believe we, it was we after. Got... After, okay. Yeah, we got we got patreons that you know fall asleep to us. Hi, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're soothing voices apparently for some people, but obviously major annoyances for others. So, um, but that's lovely. Hello. I don't, I don't know Sandy, as in, uh, well, like you, Sinead, never met you either. Um, yeah. But I did talk to her on uh, when you were doing Mickey Waffle calls. Mm-hmm. And quiz nights and stuff and um you know it was was lovely and uh yeah absolute congratulations do we have a name yeah her name is lily marie oh yeah lily marie or lily pops as she's referred to as um, and, how, and i'm reliably like, informed that uh sandy will likely be listening to this the second that you drop it so <laughs> <laughs> drop it like it's hot um yeah i hope i hope um Everything went well with the. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> the birth was fine. You got you got a beautiful baby, but uh, the whole the whole situation of uh, giving birth it's not uh, not always fun. Yeah, I'm reliably informed it was as stress free as that part of your life can be. Yeah, uh, yeah, she says, absolutely. Not a mother. That's never want to be, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't go into other experiences. Me and Craig have done that elsewhere. Um, but no, that's that's wonderful, and uh, yeah, congratulations to uh, to you all on that. And uh, hey, another listener, always good. There you always go. good to start the year with another listener. <laughs> Does that mean I'm going to have to like start cutting out the swearing again? That's uh, no. No. no, no. I'll just put. Her She's an Irish child. There. <laughs> that's fine. Fair Um No, but what wonderful starts the year. Um, Let's ruin that by talking about what's going on inside the parks. Um, I, I almost feel obliged, just because I know you've been kind of beaving away uh, in the background, Mr. D, um, mm-hmm. to talk about the story, which actually came via another ghost from this podcast, Christopher Ripley. Yes. Very talented, yeah. very evil, um, who who shared some information with us just, just before we were getting down to a cult. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing some work on it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's relating to 
Disney Vacation Club, and they've made some changes. The first change I had I'd heard about a little while ago, and in fact, I got an email from Disney today because I'm obviously a regular listeners or no, I did join DVC this year, and they'd announced some changes. So, in the past, you could use your DVC points to do other things like book regular Disney hotel rooms or Disney cruises or adventures by Disney holidays. Um, but you could also book non-Disney resorts through a timeshare network known as RCI. And Disney have just announced that they're actually changing networks. So they're moving away from RCI and they're moving to interval international exchanges. So <clears throat> they're, um, I think they're a bit smaller than RCI, but um, they do have some some good properties. So Marriott, Sheraton, Hyatt, and Weston are all part of that network. Um, so you can take your DVC points and you can put them into that network, and you can you can rent points uh, in other places anywhere in the world, pretty much. So it's good, but um, and I've never done it. Um, in fact. We haven't got our first DVC stay until later this year, I can now say, now that it's 2022. Mm. Um, but I believe it's not the greatest use of your points. And certainly the accepted wisdom seems to be that if you use your DVC points for anything other than staying at a DVC resort, it isn't a great use of points. So using them for cruises and things like that, you don't really get a very good value for money. Most right. DVC members seem to say that you would be, if you're not going to use your points and you want to go on a cruise, say a Disney cruise, then you'd be better renting your points out and you can do that and take the money that you get from that and just pay cash for the cruise or, or whatever it is. That seems to be the generally accepted, uh, accepted wisdom. But there's a couple other interesting things that have come along with this as well. So you can use... Uh, your points for National Geographic Expedition. So I'm assuming that's a bit like National Geographic's version of Adventures by Disney, but I don't know too much about that. But you can also I've, I've use them... I've never heard of that, actually. No, I mean, obviously, you know, National Geographic are tied to Disney, aren't they? Through, like, Disney+, Plus, you get all the National Ge Geographic programs on Disney+, Plus. but I'm guessing this is a different arm of, of National Geographic. Um, so it's something it's I will day, It's a day out with... A day out with Ray Mears or Bear Grylls, and then you stay at a fancy hotel, pretending that you were out in the wilderness for the night. Nice. In a tent. Yeah. You got a tent, two weeks in a tent, in Skegness. So, that, I mean, that's interesting. I will, I will research that. But again, my expectation is it won't be great value for money. But the other one that's probably more of interest to, to people who are listening to this podcast is um, you can also use your points for the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And they've produced a points chart. Now, for anybody that doesn't know a lot about DVC, each of the resorts, each of the DVC resorts, they produce a points chart every year for that resort. And it tells you how many points you need to stay for a night or a week or however long. So, Old Key West has got a points chart. Saratoga Springs has got a points chart. And the number of points will vary uh, based on two things. It will vary based on the size of accommodation that you're renting because there are different size accommodations. The smallest being a studio, which sleeps usually four or five. You can then go up to a one bed 
uh, villa or a two-bed villa or a three-bed villa. So obviously the bigger the accommodation, the more points you need per night for that accommodation. The other thing that will affect the, the cost, uh, uh, the point cost, is the time of year that you go. And Disney have broken the year up in a number of different seasons. So obviously if you're going to go at Christmas, it's going to be more expensive than if you're going to go at the beginning of September. So the, the number of points per night will, will vary. Anyway, they've brought out the Star Cruiser points chart. Now, as Nick said, I'm, I literally just got this about half an hour ago, so I'm trying to come to terms with it. It's similar format <laughs> to the regular. Off the floor. Yeah, hmm? yeah. i got to be honest, I expect it to be expensive because we know these cruisers are expensive if you're paying cash for them. But at yeah. the minute, if I've got this right, the cost of my points, I mean, is just astronomical, should I say? Or out of this world? <laughs> See what I did Even there? Works. Oh, yeah. So there seems to be three different levels of accommodation. Uh, there's a, um, what they call a standard cabin, uh, which looks like it sleeps up to five. Uh, there is a Galaxy Suite, uh, which looks like it, it's more expensive, but it looks like it only sleeps four. Um, and then you've got the Grand Captain's Suite, and that sleeps up to eight people. And the the points charts give you a point a, a point cost per person, but it's for the cruise, I, I believe. So it's a two night cruise, so it isn't a points cost per person per night. It's a per person per cruise, so two nights, okay. But just to give you an idea, the standard. Just look at the standard one because it'll get too complicated if you look at all of them. But if you look at the standard one, um. For the they charge you a lot for the first and the second adult in the room, and the kids are relatively cheap. If you add a third or a fourth person, it's relatively cheap. But they really sting you on the first adult and the second adult, a bit like a bit like on a regular cruise, right? If you're a solo passenger, you you get you really get hammered. Again, some cruise lines, some regular cruise lines are like this as well. They basically charge you the price of the two adults. So you really get hammered. So just to give you some idea, on the standard cabin, which is the cheapest one, at the most expensive time of the year, um, which for some reason, according to this, is looks like it's... Uh, well, it's around Memorial Day weekend. So it's the 30th of the 5th, which is 30th of May. Or it's um, the... 4th of July holiday time so 3rd of, 3rd of July for some reason this chart doesn't go up to Christmas um, it seems to only, only go up to November however because it'll be closed by then well yeah <laughs> I mean if you take if you take those two the most expensive so it's the cheapest cabin on the most expensive holiday um, it's 424 points per person for a two night cruise Okay, so you're thinking, well, what the hell does that mean? So what I've tried to do is I've tried to equate that to if you took those points and you stayed at the Grand Floridian, right? What what would that mean? So, 424 points per person. Um, if you stayed at the, at the most basic accommodation in the Grand Floridian, which is a deluxe studio with just a standard view, so not a theme park view, just a standard view, um, 
it's going to sleep five people. So what I'm going to talk about here is this is 424 points for one person, 424 points in the Grand Floridian will get you something like 22 nights. Jesus Christ. For five people. Right? For five people. Good Lord. Okay, so so if a couple go on this cruise, it's going to cost them 824 points. Sorry, 848 points. 848 points. That would get you something like 45 nights in a studio in the Grand Floridian. That's bizarre. Yeah. Do you have, and I, I don't know if you've worked it out, but I would be really curious because I know the other ridiculously priced DVC thing, like in with regards to Walt Disney World, is the Polly Bungalows. Yeah, Polly Bungalows. Okay, let's, 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 let's do that. It will take me a couple of seconds. Okay, so that's interesting. So the Polly Bungalows, this is, this is for the same time, by the way. Now, hang on a second. That's not true. That is not true. I've got to change that to July. I've got to change that to the We're all about truth on this podcast, so if you could make sure that you, you are. Right. Okay. So at the same, at the same time, okay, um, seven nights, seven nights in a Polynesian bungalow. Oh, they won't even they won't even give me that. Oh, that's because it's a late view only. Ah, there we go. Okay. Um and let's drop that down there. Okay, so you can get at the same time, so again, fourth of July, super busy time, you can get a Polynesian bungalow for three nights. Okay, for the cost of one person going on the Star Cruiser. And obviously nice. a poly a poly bungalow sleeps I think it's eight, I'm not hundred percent sure about that. But this is have... this is a little bungalow facing the Magic Kingdom, so it's theme park view, Trimo spot, you know, top resort. You're getting it for three nights, the whole bungalow, for the same cost as one person going on the Star Cruiser for two nights. And you don't have a mandatory itinerary. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can do what you want, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mandatory fun. Yeah. Now, remember, remember that 424 points, that's only for one person. If if you go solo, so, so there's two people in the cabin paying 424 points, because if you go solo and only have one person in the cabin, it's 849 points for that two-night oh cruise. God. Okay. So 849 <laughs> points will get you a week in a poly bungalow, the whole bungalow, for however many it sleeps. Can't exactly remember how many it sleeps. But, you know, it's it's a huge order of magnitude. And that is, you know, that's just the Galaxy Suite uh, cabin. The, the grand, the captain's grand, I'm not even going to... So that's the little pokey ones with the tiny little bunk beds. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen photographs oh, of the different ones, but yeah, that's you know that's that's kind of um, I don't know what the grand suite looks like. That's obviously going to be a lot bigger. I mean, it sleeps eight, so um, but whether it's whether it's made up of you know some of these smaller 
bedroom type things coupled together with a lounge. So, so like in DVC, they have different units, and in some cases, you can make up a bigger unit by by having a warm bed and adding a studio. So, I don't know how that how this works on the on the Star Cruiser, but you know, suffice it to say, it's horrendous. And if you if you do get the Grand Captain Suite, which is the big one that sleeps eight, for that same time period, instead of it being, what did I say, 349 points for the basic cabin, 424 points for the Galaxy Suite, which is the middle one, it goes up to 623 per person for the Grand Captain Suite, right? It is just horrendous. And just to give you an idea, if you go back to the if you go back to the basic one, right? So three hundred and fifty points per person, that's seven hundred points for two people. If if you do that on the cheapest possible number of points to to be able to do this, right? You can only bank and borrow three years worth of points together. So let's say you're going to use your points to go on one of these cruises every three years, right? You're going to need 700 divided by three. You're going to need 233 points coming up every year. Just the dues on that alone are nearly $1,900 a year. So you're, you're, you're going to have to have a contract that's going to cost you $1,900 a year just for the dues, not counting what you actually paid for the contract, which is probably going to be another 30, 40 grand, depending on where you, you buy your contract. It's just it's just horrendous. I mean, you know, I don't know what the cash price is. I haven't had a chance to do that. But well, it, can't, it can't be so anywhere near this sort of level. Chris Chris Ripley said mm-hmm. he, he, and it was very quick, so I don't know how accurate it was, but he seemed to suggest around the £22,000 mark. Well, that's the value. I think Chris was talking about the value of the points, the equivalent value of the points. But mm. I think from a cash point of view, it's a, a, and again, it depends what time oh. of the year you're going to go out. If you Sorry, were paying so you're cash, about, yeah. yeah. If you, if so you didn't you use DVC using, points. Yeah, so I've got that. So uh, uh, this, I believe this again is the, the most standard. Um, but for a two-guest cabin... Two guests per cabin, uh, one thousand two hundred nine per guest per night. So four thousand eight hundred nine for the total. Mm. Uh, three guests, which is two adults and a child, uh, would be five two nine nine. Right. For uh, three people, and for four guests, it would be five nine nine. Yeah. Three adults and one child. That is. Yeah. Um. So that's that's yeah that's what the cash price would be. I mean, look, it. <laughs> Friend of the show, Pete Werner. I don't think he has enough DVC points to even do this. He may, but he's probably he's probably one of a, a rare minority that would have enough points to even think about doing this. But anybody who uses the points to do this is just just mad, really crazy. Oh, it's it's yeah, yeah it's absolutely it's absolutely nuts. And I, when Chris said send that over, I was looking at it, I was thinking. I don't know much about DVC, but that seems excessive. So, yeah. you know, by what you've just kind of gone through there, you have confirmed that, yes, even this idiot 
uh, realised that it was ridiculous, but not not to the extent that it's the same as Twenty Two Nights at the Grand Floridian. Yeah. <laughs> that That's just, insane. Yeah. It is, is <laughs> Christ alive. It's, it's, it's I mean, mad. Like, obviously, you considering know, I picked the most, I picked the most expensive dates, but just to give yeah. you an idea of the order of magnitude, you know, you could if you if you wanted to use your points at the top resort, you could get far more for your money than you can staying here. Now, okay, you're getting your food, you're getting your entertainment, but it's two nights worth of food and two nights worth of entertainment, you know? So, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you were talking about this, well, you weren't talking about this, but you were talking about, in general, uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser on Theme Park Trader this week. Yeah. Just thought I'd get a plug in there for you now. Um, you. <laughs> what was you going to say about this? I was just going to say it's it's mad that it's that much, given how many cancellations this resort, this experience has already seen. Well, I'm looking at it right now. Um, it looks like reservations are down about 50% from when they first went on sale. Um, July and August are showing up uh, pretty wide... Uh, availability uh, in fact just the first the first cruise it looks like has got some bookings August uh, is, is empty but it's completely empty as it stands right now now look I, I, I guess there'll be an initial flurry to this because people want to be the first ones to go those that are going to go but for this to be empty for July and August like two of the the busiest months in the year that's that's a worrying sign right i just thought i mean who's got the money to drop five six plus grand on two nights you know i know i know some people have and there's a lot of star wars super fans out there i mean i didn't probably include myself in being a star wars super fan but all of the experiences they've showed so far from this don't look they just don't look cutting edge to me and oh they're not they're not they're not i don't know who this is aimed at like everything i've seen about it seems to be aimed towards a lot of the activities are stuff that would be fun for kids i say this as a 30 year old child but like (laughs) i don't know who has kids and then could afford to do this so it feels like the pricing of it and the I suppose the overall idea of what they were maybe thinking of seems like it was directed at the likes of myself, the childless millennials, but also nothing they have shown has made me in any way, shape or form think that if I ever, for whatever reason, had a spare five grand, that this would be a good way to spend it. But also, doesn't that also kind of look at the amount of cancellations? Now, I believe every video that they've released is now down. I don't think there's any that are still up. And I was keeping an eye on it. Yeah. With every video they released, there were more cancellations. Yeah. It's just... And I mean, the thing is, it's so rare that the more you see of something, the less interested you are. And yet, that seems to be what's happening. I mean, the thing is, like, none of us here booked or were looking to book, right? I mean, various reasons for that. You know, number one, the cost, the sheer cost of it, the audacity. Um, you know, secondly, 
we're obviously in a, in a pandemic still and you know people are still worried about what travel's going to be like um you know in a few months is it going to change again and you know all that as well but take people across this side of the ocean out of it the people that you know this is on their doorstep they're not booking it either mm. and that that is a, a huge problem and everyone that i have spoken to about this who has got an interest in star wars and has got an interest in doing something like this none of those people are interested mostly down to financials because it is excessive but again what they've seen and heard doesn't sound like the fun it's it's meant to be yeah like i remember i was watching i think it was i was watching the days and they were saying that like if they get invited to a media event sure they'll go on it but they're not going to pay to send the team on it because even though they are a disney travel agent they don't see anybody that they arrange trips for actually doing this so they don't see the return on investment in it and i'm like when they don't even see the return on investment on it how the hell did this get past like just the storyboard yeah i mean i mean this i've been watching a few videos of um I go, I go down YouTube rabbit holes and I'm watching a lot of videos at the moment about f- failed musicals on Broadway and it sounds th- this whole situation seems very similar to that that yeah. they've got these grand ideas and promises that they're kind of making like this is what we're going to do and this is what it's going to be like and this is how much fun it's going to be and give us your money uh, so you can go and experience it when it's ready to go um, and then something catastrophic happens This at this current time this looks to me it's going to be the biggest flop we've ever seen in a Disney park. Just based on the sheer amount of investment they've, they've put into it um, and what what the uptake is at the moment. Because at least with attractions and stuff like that, I mean, I'm trying to think of what the last crap Disney attraction is, but the last crap, Dis- uh, last crap attraction in, in Orlando is arguably Fast and Furious, right? People yeah. go on that attraction. That They are making, you know, Universal will... You know, I don't know when the break-even point exactly is, but Universal will be making their money back because people are going on that attraction. They're going to the parks. This is this isn't including the park price, so therefore they're not going to see any return of investment from people going to the parks. They're only going to see return of investment from people literally booking this experience, and they're not doing it. I think the thing the thing is, and I think they're missing another trick here. What do Star Wars fans actually want? Star Wars fans want to see the characters that they know and love. They want to experience the things that they know and love from the films, from the shows. This doesn't have any of that, as far as I can see, other than maybe you get to hold a slightly better than plastic lightsaber. You know, none of the characters... I mean, I'm sure some of the characters will will appear, but you're not going to have a chance to battle out with Darth Vader, so who cares? I think it, I think it comes down to the price point, Lord. Built in a s- I mean, no, I, I, I think the, the majority of it, I would say it, it does, Mr. Day. I mean, most people... Not all of it, but I think a big part of it. If this was, if this was so, I don't know. I mean, everybody's got a different threshold, but to me, if this was $1,000, $500 a night, which is about what you would pay rack rate for something like the Grand Floridian, right? Which I've never done. 
very much a kind of values moderate type guy, but but for a special thing that's only two nights, I, I'd yeah, I'd be willing to do it. I'd probably only do it once, but I'd be willing to do it. I'm sure loads of people would be. It is it is a good idea. Do you know what? I think even if it was priced in a similar vein as Disney Cruise Line, yeah. I think people would be more willing to pay for yeah. it. Because like a two night cruise, and even if you do the kind of standard one that does um goes to Nassau and then Castaway mm-hmm. Key, like basic rooms on that aren't five grand a no. night for a basic room for two people. No. Well, we, like that's did it. it the pricing is not comparison no. at all. No, me and me and Craig, when when we did that episode, when this you know, when they first did the data dump of this in like the late summer, um of you know, the itinerary when it first came out, um and the pricing. I looked at um, a, I think it was a three-night cruise, the one you're talking about, Sinead, like that, that, yeah. that loop, right? And the three-night cruise, it was either three or four nights, but whatever, it was coming in uh, about two and a half grand mm-hmm. yeah. for yeah. two people. I, I think, I think the cost def- definitely is, is is playing a huge part. I'm I'm def- I'm not not denying that. You know, for that for that money. You know, the itinerary as well is like you get to experience a quick service. Piss off. Like, come on. I'm paying <laughs> which I'm paying which five grand is... and you're and you're not even letting me eat in a restaurant. Yeah, but I mean again, Ryan, you know, it's all about price point and that if it's if it's a grand or two grand or whatever, you you just you know, you might be willing to eat at a quick service if it's a themed quick service and it's part of the overall story and all of that. But but they're yeah. They've, they've, I, I, they've I mishandled agree. this, and it will be interesting to see what what they do. I mean, you know, you would a safer strategy would have been to price it at a somewhat reasonable, a premium, but a somewhat more reasonable premium, and then let the demand grow and let the word of mouth get out there, and let the bookings fill up, and then do what they always do. Start increasing the price year on year, chunk, 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 because the demand is there. But this, they've just assumed the demand. Yeah, they thought, right, we're going to milk it from day one, and and people have balked at it. Of course they have, because who who pays premium for something that they've never seen? It's a pig in a poke, as we would say in the UK, right? No, you're yeah, yeah. That that is a really good point, actually. Is that you're you're basically, and also as well when we. When this first went on sale, there hadn't even been the videos. Mm. You know, all we were seeing mm. was the artist's impressions, which we'd obviously seen pictures of for years before, and we got the itinerary. Mm. That was it. There wasn't a Lloyd Grossman style uh, through the keyhole video mm. of them walking you around the ship, and this is what it's going to be like. And, and uh, possibly because it wasn't ready to, mm. fine. You know, I'm not. You know, there's there's, there's there'll be reasons, but. Even so, you know they were asking you to make an expensive punt, um, and I think I think what you've done there is about the pricing is is correct, and I, you know I think this is going to be the first time that we see it go in reverse. Mm. You know, it starts off sky high, and as it goes on, it's going to get cheaper and cheaper because it needs to fill up. Yeah, because um, I just can't see it. The other problem as well that I see with this is the fact that and. Sinead, I know you you haven't uh, gone to see this yet, but this is being built right next to Galaxy's Edge, right? 
uh, or, you know, or, or just near Galaxy's Edge. So you've got this whole Star Wars planet um, that you can walk around at your leisure, uh, go on attractions at your leisure, uh, go to Olga's Cantina, go and get food, uh, go and get some blue milk, um, all of that stuff. You do it at your own pace. And that's included in your park admission. And then what they've done is they're, they're building this thing that is right close to it, but you have to pay a massive, massive premium to go and experience it. And the highlights are going on the attractions in the, in the theme park. Just, well, I, you know, yeah, priority I, access or whatever. I, I agree. And as I kind of said earlier, like, if 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 the hotel's going to succeed, it needs to give me something I can't get in the park. You know, as I said, I want to have a lightsaber duel with a Sith. I don't want to be sat waggling a plastic lightsaber at some light in the wall. You want to take somebody's head off, don't you? You know? Exactly. <laughs> well, I want to take multiple people's heads off. For that money, yes, I do. That's the JPEX being one of them. <laughs> the, <laughs> see, the, thing, the thing is as well, like, you had the Void experience. Now, the, the Void don't exist anymore, right? Maybe they'll Phoenix, who knows, right? But at this moment in time, the Void don't exist. When the Void did exist, they had a Star Wars experience that was excellent. Um, you know, it was $30 or whatever, like 20 minutes worth of entertainment, but it did a really good job of everything. But it wasn't near anything else Star Wars. So, you know, you could go into downtown Disney or you could go to one of the locations they had around the world that also offered this and experience it. What they've done is they've stuck this cruise, liner, whatever, next to the theme park. Had this been built in, you know, a state that doesn't have a theme park or doesn't have any Star Wars stuff or anything like that, almost as a way to entice people to go to Galaxy's Edge, it would have, that to me makes more sense. The fact that you're sticking it next to a theme park that's doing a really good job of representing Star Wars already just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and also, like, are you supposed to... Are you supposed to just tack this on to, like, your regular Disney World stay? Because, like, it's, what, two nights... And they've mandatory fun. They have your entire time planned out for you. You get to visit Hollywood Studios, but only a part of Hollywood Studios. So, like, you don't get to see the other three parks if you are to follow what you're paying for. So, are you then also supposed to then go and book into another resort to then get to experience the rest of them? Like, I just, I don't understand where on earth they come up with the pricing but I mean it's also just the the Chapik regime where it's like people will pay whatever for anything so just jack the prices up to heavens and somebody yeah. will pay for it I'm tempted well, to the f- thing is they've taken a hundred pounds a hundred pounds secret cinema experience and turned it into five grand mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm tempted to phone them up because um, one, one thing we haven't talked about on this is you know Disney consider so if you're a DVC member and you want to use points and we've said how crazy that is and how mad you would be to use your points, but um, if you if you do want to do that, it, it's a it's it's a benefit, right? It's a perk to be in DVC. That's how Disney view it. And there are a number of different perks, like the Moonlight Magic after hours events, and uh, like getting discounts, you know, on shopping and dining. Those are all perks. You can only get those perks if you buy your points direct from Disney 
right? Which I didn't do. I bought them on the resale market, so I bought a second hand contract, mm. if you like. And because of that, I'm not eligible for all these perks. So technically, I'm not eligible to use my points to book oh, no. to book the Star Cruiser event. But I'm really mm. tempted to say um, to phone them up. And say I'd really like a Grand Captain suite for the weekend of July the fourth, which will cost somewhere like five thousand points for eight people or whatever it is. Um, can I please book that? Because I'm desperate to get on it, and then see what they say. See if they'd make an exception for the fact that I'm a resale <laughs> customer. <laughs> it's just madness. Yeah. It's, it's it's absolute madness. Um. One thing that, again, Ryan, this is something you brought up. I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but um, they've kind of released the the schedule uh, for this year at the parks and, and what to expect. And Guardians mm. is going to open this summer. Uh, but you said that Tron isn't going to open this year or, or, or isn't on the schedule. No, it's not on the, the schedule at all, which... I mean, at this point, we're probably not surprised, but I think a lot of people were expecting it to open this year. Well, I mean, we can see the, uh, you know, how complete it is, right? And it looks pretty, pretty much there, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't I mean, look like there's looks, a lot more to do. It looks practically done, but then I suppose if you look at Ratatouille, that was practically done for months and months and months and they decided to delay the opening now obviously covid was a bit more of a thing and is still a thing but less of a thing that the big corporate machines care about um so that could be the reason for ratatouille but it feels more like a financial year decision mm. well big time it, it's because it's what's ha- what's coming afterwards what's what's next for walt disney world because well, imagineering is has been decimated so what's what's on the roadmap next? I mean, literally nothing, right? Um, you know, you you were talking about what had been previously announced, and you know, Mary Poppins was was kind of quietly axed, if not last year, then maybe the end of the year before. But you know, that that certainly disappeared from the schedule for quite a while, and that was the next kind of thing, wasn't it? Really. Um, there wasn't any kind of major attractions announced after Tron, um, and it does look like that's uh, that's not going to change, as you say. Well, you've of, got uh, <clears throat> what they do. You've got the Play Pavilion in Epcot, which is not going to be anywhere close to the concept art that they they showed off. I think we all know that, um, and the Moana experience, which is basically going to be water fountains, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So yeah, what's next? I mean, who knows? Maybe D twenty three this year. They'll, they're going to blow our minds. But who in Imagineering is left to really take that team forwards? I don't but know. But also, the way that Disney do things, like they're not like Universal. They don't like announce something and then within a year, maybe two, it's open. Like they announce things and then we're looking five, maybe seven years down the line before it's actually open. So. Even if they announce something this year, will we even see it within the 2020s? Who knows? Well, look at Probably look at Splash Mountain. I mean, that got announced yeah. early last year, maybe even the year before, and they haven't even shut the ride yet. No, do you remember no. everyone was going mad buying the plush? 
Yeah. yeah. Oh god, the plush rush. Bloody racist plush. Everyone was so excited. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Not laughing at racism. Racism's very bad. Laughing at the the need to buy racist plush characters. Honestly, um, it's yeah. I, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, Universal were they went for a run of pretty much opening a ride every year, weren't they? They haven't got anything opening up this year. There's nothing in construction. I don't think at the moment. I think. The next change we wow. might see could be Jurassic World or something replacing. Yeah, or uh, we would. The, the, or there's that rumored Minions attraction as well. Oh like yeah. This. Well, no, that, that's that's going to happen, isn't it? I forgot about that, but yeah, it's not going to be a, a full-on thing. But you're right. But you're right. But the thing is, like Universal would announce an attraction, start working it, and and finish, and you'd be looking at from, I'd say the average like kind of announcement to opening was you know a year and a half to two years tops Mm. that was it i mean tron was announced years ago and i mean look i'm the tron fan right and even when it was announced i was like they've left this late to announce this attraction you know by that point i think the film was uh i don't know eight years old Mm -hmm. you know no no third film announced no spin-off tv show nothing like that so the film has just well it's now it's now coming up to 12 years since Tron Legacy which is what this attraction is based on came out of the cinema this year will be 12 years so what are they playing at it's it's so weird and the thing is I definitely think it's a it's a fiscal thing because Disney do their quarters Mm. so Q1 starts in October so they'll open Guardians so they'll get a bit of a bump at the end of Q4 because they're not going to open it before July and then probably maybe start spring 2023 they'll open Tron to get a bit more of a bump for 2023 No, I think you probably nailed it actually Um, but going back to the Imagineers I mean the thing is you can have all the people there that can you know, come up with creative ideas, but you've lost the people that can actually make those things happen. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the end game is here. I really don't. It's yeah. well, it's it's Chapek clicking his finger and reducing the workforce to fifty percent. Mm. That's the that's the the Thanos slash Chapek end game. <laughs> um, Sinead, was there any any park news that you saw that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, which is slightly less doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. Doom oh and gloom. <laughs> um, so in Disney's California Adventure, you can meet Mirabelle from Encanto over there. And there's a real cute uh, video on Disney Parks blog of Stephanie Beatriz, uh, who voices Mirabelle, meeting the character, which is very cute. But I like that over in California, literally, movie comes out, there's characters in the park the next day. I love it. They don't waste no time. Yeah, it's the, it's a practice they seem to have kind of stopped over in Florida. I remember going when we were there on our honeymoon. Yeah, uh, Tangled was just about to come out in the states for you know that was the Thanksgiving release, and you could go and meet. Um, you could go and meet. I can't remember what her name is now. Rapunzel. Rapunzel. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can remember Flynn because my dog. But um, yeah, I know. Um, 
which we didn't do because we hadn't seen the film and there was quite a big queue. But, you know, that was uh, about a month or so before the film came out that they had the characters out to kind of, like, promote the release of the film. But they don't really do that anymore over there. And, you know, we saw with um, with um, Avengers Campus when the Marvel TV shows are going on that they were doing it there as well. Yeah. I'm wondering if that will change slightly when what maybe one of the benefits of Imagineering moving is that a lot of the costume department will move to that side of the country and therefore they'll be able to roll them out to Orlando quite quickly. Yeah. I don't possibly. know. I think it's a case of because California is more of a locals park, they're just like, let's put out new things to keep the locals coming. Because especially at the minute, a lot of the locals in California are pissed because of the reservation situation that a lot of them can't actually get to the parks. Whereas people go to Walt Disney World regardless of there's, if there's something new or not, because it's that big place to go for your once in a lifetime trip. So, Very I true. Don't know. Yeah, it could be. You could be right. Stephanie uh, Beatrice is over in London at the moment. I don't know if you know. She's uh, treading the boards. Oh, very good. Um, what's she? What's she t- uh, I think it's called 222, A Ghost Story. Okay. Yeah, Lily Allen was in it. Nice. When it first opened. And now and now she's in it. And Giovanna Fletcher was in it, but she just uh, broke her ankle or something one night during a performance. So she's she's now not in it anymore. But yeah. That is quite the mix of people. Very much. I, th- I believe as well it's the first time that she's done... Uh, she's, it's only the first time she's done a play uh, in England. I don't know if it's the first time she's done a play uh, anywhere. But, uh, yeah, when I announced it, when I saw the name, I was like, well, I know that name, but surely it can't be the same person I think it is. And then I was like, oh, no, actually, it is. It is actually... <laughs> and it's really weird... Because um, I, I knew her as a lot of people did from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, that was the first mm. thing I kind of really paid attention to. Uh, in she was in, she had like cameos in Modern Family and stuff like that every now and again. But I, you know, I knew her as uh, uh, Rosa, and then you actually go and hear her being interviewed. And she sounds nothing like her character in Brooklyn Nine Nine at all. She's like a proper Valley girl. Yeah, I had like pulled up the article on Disney Parks blog just before we started recording and she's got like a pink headband and like a bright green dress and stuff on. And I was showing it to my boyfriend who has watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine and he was like, who's that? Because <laughs> she yeah. looks nothing like Rosa. It's mad. Honestly, I can't remember. It might have been on like Kimmel or Fallon. It was one of the late night shows, but she was being interviewed, I think, for like the last season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something. And I thought, oh, it come up on YouTube, so I'll watch it. And I was like, who is this person? Because I recognised her face, but the voice coming out was definitely not what I was used to. Versatile. She's like a waffle. Um, but that character meeting, Greg, going back to your original point, um, I think is really good. Like the, the actress they've got playing her looks fantastic. The costume looks great. Yeah, I think the it's a really fab. good. It's a really good representation uh, of that character. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see more of it. Um, Ryan, anything else from you? Yes. Josh DeMauro has once again done the bare minimum and reopened Typhoon Lagoon. What a lad. After almost two years of it being shut. 
And then it had to, after one day, it had to close again the next day because of cold weather. <laughs> it is open again asked, now. We haven't we haven't asked Kate what the weather's like. Actually, we should do that. Uh, that is quite funny. I, I saw as well. Um, speaking of like openings and closures, I saw that um, Rock and Roller Coaster was down for a few days. Yeah, and Everest is down for quite a lengthy refurbishment now as well. Yeesh. They're not fixing the Yeti though. Uh, <laughs> that will take years. Yeah, take absolute years. Mister, um, D, anything else from you? Well, just kind of looking back a little bit. Um, we we talked a lot mm. about Genie Plus and lightning lane prices or individual attraction selections. Um, but it was kind of interesting that during the busy Christmas period, um, they didn't raise the prices. Of um, of the individual attraction selections, uh, they kept them. They kept them pretty stable from what they'd been when they when they launched them. Um, so, for example, Rise of the Resistance was fifteen dollars. Um, some rides were a little bit more expensive on the weekend. So, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ten dollars during the week, twelve dollars at the weekend. Remy, $9 at the week, during the week, 11 at the weekends, Flight of Passage, 11 during the week, 14 at the weekends, so interesting. And then they also um, relegated some of the individual attraction selections down to uh, kind of Genie Plus level. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, things like, um, like Expedition Everest and... Uh, runaway railway, etc. They they weren't individual attraction selections, so they. I guess they're learning, and adapting the system as as we knew they probably would, tweaking it. Um, I'm sure, there's going to be more tweaks to to come. They'll keep adjusting it, but. Uh, well, it's it's not really mm. been working over Christmas. Uh, I did see uh, uh, a headline earlier. Uh, about one day where some of the attractions, the lightning lane uh, was actually slightly longer than the uh, the standby yeah. queue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even with what they're doing, it's it's obviously still and, and look, it's teething problems. I get it, but you're paying if you're paying yeah. for that experience, it's not good enough, is it? Yeah. Absolutely not. If you're paying for it, you can't be you can't allow that to happen. It, it's obviously not working properly. It's something that I noticed with Disneyland Paris when I was there because they've obviously brought in a slightly different but also paid fast pass option. And like, it's one thing if you get a fast pass for a ride and then you join the queue and you still have maybe like a 10, 15 minute wait. That's one thing because you're still getting to skip the vast majority of the queue. It all depends on kind of where you where you join the regular queue. Whereas... Like, for example, so I used the Premier Access for Ratatouille, but the way that Ratatouille was built, if you have a fast pass, you there's a whole separate line of rats that you go into. Like, you basically don't wait at all because you are in an entirely separate queue. Whereas with the likes of Big Thunder, there's a merge point that wasn't manned by a cast member. So it was just these guests just awkwardly stood there waiting for someone who's queued for 30, 40 minutes to let them into the queue because they've paid to skip most of it, but they still would have had to wait like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. So some of the queues aren't built 
for it to be a premier experience because previously if you were going for a paid experience again to skip queues you were doing a vip tour and you were just getting let in the exit which is a very different scenario to what this is so i think most of the especially like long-standing rides aren't built for the premium experience that they're now charging people yeah. for be interesting to see what That's what case experiences i mean she made a comment that genie plus was working well but I guess it depends on you know time of mm-hmm. year you go. Um. Well, the real the real uh, test of that will be at yeah. the weekend, right? Because I can't remember if it's this weekend or the following, but one of them is the yeah, first weekend, race yeah. weekend of the year. It's, it's so, this weekend, yeah. One of my mates yeah. is over there doing it. Right. Oh, look at Ryan! I've got friends. <laughs> right. I've Shut got up. friends that go to Disney. <laughs> No, just just you've got friends, Ryan. All right, that's enough. The fact they go mm. to Disney as well is even worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it. I just I just don't make friends. Um, Sinead, anything yes. more from you? Um, they released the dates for Flower and Garden this year. It's starting on March second, and it's running through July fourth. Which I find it weird that they're finishing on July fourth. That seems bizarre. But that is a whopping 125 mm. days of Flower and Garden, which yeah. is a I'm lot. Nice yeah, festival. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. But, the, the like, they just seem to blend into each other now, don't they? Like, as one festival wraps up, the next one starts, you know, a week yeah. or so later. Yeah. It's pretty much something going on all throughout the year now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else pressing before we go and have a look at what's going on, going on outside the parks? He says, stumbling over his words. No, nothing else pressing. I mean, they're all done. They've just announced nope. some new hotel discounts for 2022. So I don't know what that means in, in terms of how well the 50th is going, but there certainly are some some new, new discounts um, for hotel stays between... 6th of March and the 7th of July um, so yeah just keep your eye on uh, on what deals are available is that UK or US or both um, it's US that I saw I think they've just they've just come out so I would imagine they will come they will start featuring on the UK website as well and UK travel agents but I haven't seen anything yet the the current thing I'm seeing, and it's not out yet, is that the dining promo um, dollar will, will come back. So, like, you'll get money off of... You'll basically get vouchers for dining yeah. like, like they did last year. That, that seemed to be running with that again this year rather than bringing back yeah, the dining Yeah, they've phone. been running with a deal in the UK where you get two free nights if you stay for 14, but it was only up yeah. to, I think, August. It was only for stays up to August. Um, we're looking to go mm. end of October, beginning of November, so it wouldn't really work. Well, we're staying DVC, but we're staying a couple of nights, and my sister's probably going to come, so she's going to book a hotel. Um, so we were hoping she could get some kind of deal, but that's the only one that's available at the minute, and it only extends up to August. So, what's the space? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a weekend day. That's all we can do. Um, but 
I think we've talked enough about what's going on inside the parts. Let's go and have a look at what's going on outside uh, the parts. Now, um, there's been a lot of uh, of stuff on Disney Plus, but I would like to first of all ask if anybody uh, over the festive period uh, watched Encanto. Yes. No. Not yet. Uh, no. No. No, mm, did watch. Uh, I did catch up um, on Hawkeye though. I'd be pleased to know. Okay, well, we'll, we'll yeah, talk about that after. Um, Sinead, yes, I know how you feel about Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You've watched it once or twice, I believe, mm. at this point. Yes. Um, but what did you make of Encanto? I quite enjoyed Encanto. Um, mm. I thought it looked beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I wish it had a villain, and it's something that I've noticed in a lot of recent Disney and Pixar movies. They, for some reason, are shying away from creating Disney villains, which are arguably always my favorite character, and there's distinctly one lacking in this. Um, I don't think it's Lynn's best, if I'm being honest. It's no Moana, it's no Hamilton. Um, mm. But I would say the other most recent movie that I've watched that he's done the music for was Vivo on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, which I'd highly recommend. And I much preferred the music in Vivo. Nothing I... really kind of earwormed me. Yeah. Vivo's uh, an interesting one um, because I would agree, I thought the songs in that were a bit better. I don't think the film overall was was better. Mm. Um, personally, like I thought it was, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what it was about this film. Um, but I I also kind of felt very similar to you. It it happened, and yeah, it just felt like it was missing something. Yeah, I don't. It I just didn't find it engaging. I didn't find the story that engaging. I think it felt it was a better story than it actually was. And I don't know if maybe, uh, you know, where it's been trimmed down or something, maybe we've lost something there. But I don't think it was as smart as it was playing itself to be. I think it had some interesting ideas, but nothing, uh, like, earth-shattering. Yeah, I agree. I I will agree with you, though. Um, And the one thing from this year is that uh, all, all of the releases this year, so Raya... Uh, this and Luca have all been really well animated like they look stunning Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I I would put Luca third I'm not sure what I would have as my one and two out of uh, Raya and Encanto but I mean they're both stunning uh, to look at and unfortunately with both films well actually all three films really that I didn't Mm. see at the cinema Um, I don't think I think Raya had a limited release over here um, I think it, it was here for a little bit, but it wasn't uh, wasn't here for long, was it? Because the cinemas like closing again. Um, Luca didn't get a release at all at the cinemas, I don't think. Um, and this one did, but as I got COVID, so I couldn't go. <laughs> so I I did have to wait for it to come on Disney Plus. I think it's a shame because I think it would look better on a big screen, but. Um, I agree that I I don't think this when you watch a Lin Manuel um, Lin Manuel Miranda thing 
the thing that normally stands out because of his background is the music. And I thought the opening number was good. And then I couldn't remember a single song after that. No. I remember there was a song with a lot of donkeys. But I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't even attempt to tell you what the actual song sounded like. Which, like, to it, like... To a degree, I get. Like at the end of the day, like Lima Mel Miranda is one person, and he has created some phenomenal music over the last few years. <laughs> However, nobody can keep like nobody can keep that level of output like consistently. Like everyone is going to have duds. You look at Alan Menken and stuff; they've had duds. Like not that level so consistently at such a high pro. That is that is an unrealistic thing. No one oh, can produce like that level, level of music. It sounds like he's at the level where I thought he was before, by, by what you're saying. Movies like. Yeah, but if we're going to take your thoughts on... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it comes, comes to musicals, musicals Ryan, I'm, I'm going to have, have to put, put you in the back, back of the queue, I'm sorry. I know you feel about Hamilton. Um, but, I, I, I know, know what you mean, mean but, but if you look, look at like, the Lopez... Um, oh, God. What they, what they... Oh... oh. I can't think of their names. Frozen. But yeah, but no. like, they're some f- bangers. Like, let's call the spade a Book of Mormon is far right, superior uh, right, to Hamilton. Right, but that's, so that's the thing. Like, that, they they didn't just write songs for Frozen. They also wrote Finding Nemo the Musical. They also wrote uh, The Book of Mormon. Um, Frozen 2. There's some really great songs in Frozen 2. Not every song has to be a banger, but one out of however many, and also as well, you know, he did good songs for Moana. He did good songs for uh, Mary Poppins Returns. It just... Like, I am not slagging off Lin-Manuel. I do think this was... No. Like, everything I've seen of him. Yeah. This felt lazy, and yet this should have been his wheelhouse because this is his culture. Right. And the, and the one thing that I did really, really like about the film is how diverse the cast was. Not just vocal-wise, but also animated like there was a whole plethora of color you know you had people from you know all different nationalities it it stood out in a really i thought a really good way um because it looked it, it you know it looked different for all the right reasons um but yeah i just i don't know it didn't help we watched it christmas day and watching the film christmas day you've had a big dinner and you sit down to watch it and you know you're a bit tired it maybe wasn't the right we picked the right day to, to watch it, but yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed, unfortunately. It's not a flop, but well, actually, it is. That's a lie. Uh, box office wise, it's I think it's actually uh, Ryan. You'll be pleased to hear trailing lower than uh, the Good Dinosaur in terms of box office returns. I feel like it's kind of hard to judge stuff like that because, like, I I don't know. Like, I don't live anywhere near. I have no idea what. And when it came out in the cinema over here, if it did at all, but I was just like, oh, it's going out on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. That's grand. So we watched it on Stevenson's Day. So I feel like when stuff is also coming out on like streaming platforms, I feel like it's kind of difficult to really get a grasp on box office things, unless it's something like Spider-Man, where it's not available for home streaming at all. You can't. It is purely just box office sales based off. I feel like it's a little bit difficult to be able to actually tell. You'd have to like look at how many streams it's had on Disney Plus as well, I guess. Oh, well, not, I no, I'm, it, it'd come out to cinemas, being totally honest. I thought it was a straight, a straight Yeah, I thought it was film. just Disney Plus. 
No, it came out uh, for Thanksgiving. So it came out, I think it came out a few days after Ghostbusters, I want to say. Maybe the week after Ghostbusters. Um, which, I mean, obviously also didn't help because, you know, that was obviously a very popular film that you're releasing against, um, which was also appealing to family audiences. So, um, but yeah, in terms of... Bo- in terms of pure box office numbers, you need it's really, really, really lacking. Um, but yeah, absolutely, you're you're right in that films, especially the way that Disney are releasing stuff nowadays, um, where they're doing this. And I mean, this is the second Christmas in a row now that they've released a big movie on Christmas Day, which is good for the home consumer, but does slightly worry me a little bit about. Uh, you know, cinema box office, because that's the, the numbers that people really pay attention to, you know, publicly, because Disney don't release streaming numbers. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting if it was a hit on uh, on Disney+. Plus. And I imagine it would have been, because it was, like, the big film on, you know, released over Christmas. You know, everything else that was released around Christmas Day, um, you know, was, was older films, or, you know, what we'll talk about in a minute with Hawkeye. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, people do, have seemed to enjoy it. I just, I just didn't enjoy it as much as uh, Ray and the Last Dragon. That's that was my favourite this year, I think, of those films. But not everyone can be a winner, eh? Um, oh, Mister D, I did. You finished off Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, I know you gave me a hard time about that last time. Quite rightly, I was slacking off. Yeah. Slacking off, so, yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> but I uh, I did binge it uh, and really enjoyed it. I got I got into it. I thought because mm, I wasn't I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? The Hawkeye character isn't like the one that really kind of grabbed my attention through the through the whole evolution. Well, let's mm. let's ask the table, right? Let's ask the table. Did anyone here? Has everyone here watched Hawkeye? Yeah. Okay. Did anyone with the the slate of Disney Plus series that were coming out this year, did everyone have yeah. Hawkeye at the top of their list? No, nope. not at all. No. <laughs> so I don't yeah. think it's a controversial take. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, th- I think it's probably my favourite Disney Plus Marvel thing. Yeah. I liked it better than um, One Division. I enjoyed One Division, but I liked it better than One Division. Um, uh, Falcon, the one at Soldier, I liked it better than that. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was thought it was excellent. I mean, I've got a few criticisms, but overall, really good. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I really enjoyed it. Did um, Ryan Schneider? Did you both really enjoy it? Yeah, I I thought it was fantastic. I think it's probably my favourite Marvel show to date. I I really liked it. We were week to week initially. We I think hadn't watched the first four episodes, and then when we came back from Disneyland Paris, we kind of like binge watched the first four. Um, mm. I still preferred One Division. I was always going to prefer One Division, um, <laughs> but I did really enjoy it. I thought it was just a lot of fun. Also, I just bloody love. And she was in. It. I was like, great, love this. Uh, I mean. Hayley Steinfeld is, is great as well, but Florence, I mean, um, the other night I was uh, channel surfing 
before I was gonna like I was gonna play some PlayStation before I just before I, I do that, let's let's have a look at what's on. And uh Fighting with My Family was mm. on. Uh where she plays the WWE yeah. uh wrestler page. Is that and where I know her from? Yeah. Possibly. Oh, I couldn't think of where the, the hell I knew her from and I hadn't looked her up the, on the rest of the page yeah, or Florence for you. Um but she's she's great. I mean the thing is I was very familiar with the the wrestler she was playing. Um but she was she was fantastic yeah. in that film just in general. But um yeah, she's she's popped up in a fair few things now and every time she's been great. My um my daughter was um obsessed last Christmas with uh, Little Women which she's in as well. And uh yeah, watched that a whole bunch of times and uh yeah, she's uh, I- I do wish that she'd drop the accent. It's a bit though. heavy. It's, oh, it's, it's a bit heavy. It. It's so stupid it's not great. It's not great. It's not. But then, you know, we had we had the exact same situation with Wanda, didn't we? Yeah. You know, if you go back uh, uh, to Age of Ultron, that's yeah, exactly what we had with Wanda. A little bit more believable in that scenario. But, but um, um, hey, it's fine. But I thought it was a little bit over heavy. Yeah, but all you could say the same thing with uh, Yolana as well because she's she's been based in Russia, hasn't she? Like she never she never returned yeah. to America like as you know. Her oh yeah, I just I did. mean I just don't think it's very yeah. good. Yeah, well, look, it's still better than um, Ray Winston's. <laughs> well, uh, well, so. in many problems. All in Miranda in uh, Mary Poppins as well. To be fair, no, I I give all the passes to Lin Manuel in that because he was clearly channeling Dick Van Dyke for that. The music was good. I'll give him credit for that, but he didn't. My main, do you know what my main beef for Hawkeye was? And it may just be a, it may just be me or my, you know, maybe I'm not a target audience, but I really didn't like the big battle scene at the end on the ice rink. I really thought that whole scene was stupid and dumb oh. and out of character. Do you know what my biggest issue was? Out of character with the rest of the people story. in the tiny van being like what their perspective <laughs> of being carried off by the bloody hell <laughs> was. That, that was, was my biggest gripe of it. That, that was funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. That was funny. Oh, I forgot about that. That's great. Um, and also, I'm pleased we, so we that we're getting. We, we, I was just on that Go. scene when when that mm. owl came into the tree. We yeah. were like, "Oh my god, what is this? This CGI is terrible." And then when that when they followed up, we were like, "Okay, fair enough." Yeah, yeah. It it was odd that they were focusing so much on something like that, and I couldn't work out why they were doing it. And then yeah, it, you, yeah. you get a, you get a payoff. Um, I was excited to see though as well that we're going to get a spin off from Hawkeye, as well. Is it Siren? Is that who she becomes? Oh, if only P-Dubs was here. Um, you know the um, the the deaf assassin. Oh, Maya. I, I kind of Maya. call her that. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Old woman of a minority that they decided to make the bad guy. I, that was actually one gripe that I did have with it. I was like, cool, you're having a deaf and disabled woman that's of an ethnic minority and she's the bad guy really loud. Oh, well, she wasn't, but she wasn't out I know in the end girl, she was wasn't she? but initially I was like he's our layer and it's on a bit thick now. She was out for revenge wasn't she because uh, 
yeah. father was killed. Yeah, I, Although I, she I was, actually... she was of a criminal element, but... Yeah, but I, I kind of saw that she... That's what she grew up in rather than she became a bad person. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was the life that she was involved in. In a very similar way that uh, that's what Kate Bishop was doing. It's just that she didn't know that she was involved in that situation. But the reason the reason for that, Sinead, is because, um, and I didn't realise this until after I'd watched the show, is that uh, Maya actually becomes, and I, I believe the character in the comic books is called Siren, um, but she uh, she become, kind of becomes like a, an anti-hero. Um, but um, you could get another spin-off, couldn't you, with the guy with the tash and the sword, what's his name? Well, he's a, he's a comic book character as well, isn't he? Oh, the LARP. Really more of him. No, 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 the, the, um, no, the uh, fiance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he was gas. But he's he a, he's a great. He's a comic book character as well, isn't he? He's, he's the, the swordsman. swordsman. Yeah. In the comic books, he is the swordsman, um, who ends up marrying Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. But we're not getting into that. Uh, <laughs> Echo, sorry, yeah. That makes, that makes much more sense. Um, and I believe I believe that's scheduled for next well, this year on Disney Plus. I think it's towards the end of this year on Disney Plus. So And what what I also found really good was in the flashback scenes when she was a little girl, that was actually her real life cousin playing her. Oh nice. Who isn't deaf but learned sign language to be able to do the scenes. So I thought that was quite sweet. Um Book of Boba Fett started. Yeah. Um, I've only watched, as of recording, I've only watched episode one, didn't watch episode two today because um, for probably the first time, mm. I'm going to probably binge this. Um, I, I enjoyed the first episode, but I think when you've... I mean, this is the second Star Wars TV show, right? And I think when you started with the Mandalorian and you had that mm. first episode of the Mandalorian that went the way it did and then you got the Book of Boba and that first episode it, the quality just didn't seem to to be there I'm sure it's going to turn into a really enjoyable show and I didn't hate the first episode but do you know what I mean it just it didn't grab me in the way the the, mm. the first episode no, of the Mandalorian got, I, got two, I, I quite enjoyed it like yourself Nick and I haven't seen the second episode yet I binged the first one today because I thought you were going to shout at me if I if I don't see it, but um, but I, I <laughs> had two concerns with the first one, which may which may mm. prove to be you know not valid, but just just at, by the end of episode one, I was wondering if the actor the character isn't too old for for what he's supposed to be. You know, he's he's still supposed to be a badass and. I didn't, I didn't kind of believe it at the end of it, and then, and then the other pieces again around his character. Yeah, it just seems confused. It, it's like the whole Boba Fett thing just seems confused because to me, and I grew up with the original trilogy. You know, Boba Fett is is a mysterious bad guy. He's he's a bounty hunter. He's a ruthless, mysterious, you know, lethal bounty hunter. And now in this, he's is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? You know, he's taken over from Jabba the Hutt, so he is going to be a crime lord, but 
he's trying to be a good guy and it, it just seems confused I uh, see yeah. I I loved I actually had the kind of opposite <laughs> thing I loved the first episode but the same thing stood out to me he's meant to be 40 yeah the guy playing him is 61 and he has got the whitest teeth on the planet oh my god oh. his teeth his <laughs> teeth are outrageous <laughs> They've got some bloody yeah. good dentistry on Tatooine, let me tell you. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, as we know in the UK, uh, you know, Ryland has just given up his teeth. Um, obviously was out of work, wanted something new to do. So, you know. Um, one thing that I really thought was quite good was the fact that uh, Matt Berry turned up to play, is it IG-88? <laughs> is, that the, yeah. is that the droid? And... Yeah. Um, in the UK, at least, uh, his latest uh, series of uh, Toast, called Toast of Tinseltown, started. And in the adverts leading up to it, um, in like the promo advert for it, he was uh, he was on the phone to his agent saying, oh, I've just been cast in the, in the latest Star Wars film in Hollywood. And uh, then he pops up in the first episode of Boba Fett. So I don't think that's what... Dango, st- can you hear me? <laughs> I, wish, I wish he was more Matt Berry. It's a reindeer Matt Berry. And I, me yeah. and my wife had just uh, uh, been through uh, the first uh, three seasons of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series. Because I'd already watched it. Um, but I, I've been trying to get her to watch it since I watched the first season. She just wouldn't. And then she started to as the third season had started on TV. So I stopped watching it and then we went back and watched the whole lot again. And I mean, it's it's such a good show. Um, but uh, nice turn up. I've watched the first two episodes, and I won't lie, I know very little of of Boba Fett other than just what's in the the movies and stuff. But I don't know. It's just I don't know. I, I have been enjoying the the Green Bebop and Rocksteady because they're just the most ridiculous <laughs> things in the world. Like I just can't with the big green pig men. Um, <laughs> It, I don't know, there's just a bit of a weird vibe about it. I can't with his teeth. And my boyfriend actually went on to Twitter. And, like, there's a whole ream of people being like, what is going on with his teeth? Like, he looks like, you know, in that episode of Friends when Ross has the date, so he puts on teeth whitening gel. He looks like that. And I, I just can't. I, I, I don't know how I didn't notice this, but I, I know. It's so that much worse watched... in the second episode, so I apologise because you, you oh. can't not notice his teeth. Right, I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly going to notice this now going forward, but it looks like it's going to be forced into me anyway. <laughs> like, I'll watch it, and I like I do enjoy that whilst they do a lot of, like, shorter series, like six, maybe eight episodes of things, I enjoy that they're, it's kind of consistent that there'll maybe be a break of a week or two and then there's something else coming out, and I like having a different thing to watch as, like, the weekly show. So I am enjoying that, and, like, I'll keep watching it, but I'm not overly invested in it yeah um just before we go um eternals comes disney plus on the 12th i believe of january so that's next wednesday so uh for all those that haven't seen it um you can now watch it for free on disney plus and enjoy it hopefully um i i think it's much better than the um the critics will tell you but maybe i'm wrong um and despite only being uh released for about 
two weeks, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home became the the biggest uh, grossing film of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's a popular opinion. Not to have seen it. Uh, it's it's currently done 1.3 oh. billion so far. Um, I mean, it, it's it's not going to do Guardian, um, Guardians. It's not going to do uh, Endgame numbers. I think had it not um, had it not come out during a pandemic, I think it possibly could have done. Um, but the fact it's done 1.3 like billion already. And you know, it's obviously people are still flocking to see it. I, I think it's pretty, uh, mm. pretty remarkable. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's. If it weren't for the fact that COVID is the way it is over here, and I live nowhere near a cinema, I probably would have gone to see it at this stage. But I haven't, and I'll wait until I can like rent it on Apple TV or something. That's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, Ghostbusters came out for streaming this week. Uh, at least in America, you can rent it now, and that's about forty-five days after it, its cinema release. They've done that, so that's that's the thing. If you know that you can wait, you know, just over a a month or two and watch it at home uh, in this, in, you know, in this current climate, then I think people will be doing it. So don't yeah, think. Yeah, I don't think either of you two are alone uh, in that. But, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, before we go, anything from you, Mr. D? No, no, I enjoyed Spider-Man. I did go and see it in the cinema. Really enjoyed it. And then I went on and watched the first of the um, the other two. So, the first Andrew Garfield and the first Tommy Maguire, just for the hell of it. And enjoyed them both. Yeah, I did enjoy I'm... them both. I know... Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I'm going... I was just going to say, I no, know no, no, carry on. I'm probably in the minority. I thought the Tobey Maguire one was really good. I actually really enjoyed them both. I'm kind of conflicted because I enjoyed them both for different reasons. They were, I thought they were both good films, but probably coming down slightly more on the Tobey Maguire just because I think it was more kind of story and character based. But uh, both, both good. I thought. Yeah, when. Um... When Far From Home is announced, uh, sorry, No Way Home is released, uh, announced for uh, home rental or home purchase, uh, I'm going to try and get my daughter to watch the uh, seven seven films. Yeah, the seven films leading up to it, because there's three, Tobey Maguire, two Andrew Garfield, isn't there, and then two Tom Holland um, to lead up to it. So that's what I'm going to try and do, (laughs) is get her to watch all those, because she hasn't seen a single Spider-Man film. Um, but I think I was talking in the group yesterday to, to Ripley. Like I think Maguire's, I don't like Maguire's Peter Parker. He just doesn't look like Peter Parker to me. Doesn't act like him. To, it might, how I imagine him to be. But I've always enjoyed his Spider Man and Andrew Garfield. I think was a much better Peter Parker. But I didn't really enjoy the action sequences. Although I've still never seen uh, the second one. So I know what happens in it, but I never watched it. So um, I think they're all. At least in the UK, uh, stream not, Netflix. Not two Somewhere for some reason as well. So yeah. yeah, that might be. 
No, it's not. That might be on Prime. Yeah. I have seen no, it on a streaming not, service I was, recently. I've got it on oh, DVD, so it was yeah. okay, but I tried to find it on a streaming service and we couldn't we couldn't find it on any of them. Not two. Yeah, weirdly. Yeah, weirdly I've got yeah. I've got I own Spider Man two on DVD. I think I might have Spider Man three somewhere, but God knows, and I've never watched it. But don't worry, on that's DVD. on Netflix. Um, One and three are on Netflix. And, and I've the got two the... amazing Spider Mans are on Netflix. I think. Yeah. So it's so oh, Toby right, Maguire sorry. number two okay. that isn't yeah. there. Yeah. Oh the best the best one. Um I've got the I've got a I think a director's cut of of two, they re-released it a few years yeah. afterwards with like a, a more footage, so I think that's what I've got. Um, but I've got the Andrew Garfield ones on Blu-ray, uh, 3D Blue, and I've got the uh, Holland ones on 3D Blue as well. As well, so if I couldn't, if they suddenly got taken off, I would be able to watch them. So that's the the main takeaway. Not that anyone cares. Um, <laughs> Ryan, anything else from you? No, nothing more for me. Uh, Sinead. Nope, nothing else for me. Fair enough. Well, got a busy few shows coming up. Uh, hopefully we'll have Kate on uh, a future episode to tell us about her first experience of going to Disney World. Uh, Tom Armin uh, has also, we were supposed to have him on last year and for a catalogue of errors, didn't. Um, but we're hoping to have him on uh, either towards the end of this month or uh, early in February, so uh, and I think he's going to Disneyland during that time as well. So um, maybe he can give us some updates about that. Um, but yeah, so um, onwards and upwards for the year. I hope uh, you're all having a great uh, 2022 so far. I mean, we're we're literally days into it, but uh, we haven't been hit by a comet yet, like in Don't Look Up. So you know. Oh, Nick, I do have a request. Oh. Sandy did specifically say that she would really like if you would do uh, walking movies of that, even though it's not a cinema one. So if you haven't yet or hadn't oh. planned to, there's a specific request. For for Don't Look Up? Yeah. Brilliant. There you go. Uh, we'll give no spoilers on this, uh, on this podcast, but yeah. Um, and if anyone else cares about the inane ramblings of somebody walking around the streets talking to themselves... Uh, then you can find walking movies on your podcast app of choice. Um, but be warned, it is literally just me talking to myself. Um, but no, thank you, Sandy. I will do that. And if anyone else has any requests, let me know. Um, but Mr. D, Ryan, Sinead, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, and especially Mr. D, thank you for going through the DVC no uh, so well and explaining it to uh, Simpleton like me. Um and yeah, thank you for listening. And we will see you in a couple of weeks with another episode. Bye bye now. This podcast is a that production and part of the After Dark Podcast Network. <laughs> After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com.
the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.hhnunofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others.